The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show. Pinball is a game of skill. For some, it's a passion and a lifestyle. It's time for The Pinball Show. It's pinball with personality. All right, everybody. Well, welcome to the midweek show, Correspondence Gone Wild edition, and we're busting out. So with us today, we have Dr. John, who covers Spooky Pinball and Haggis Pinball for us. We have uh, Brian Cosner, who's our American pinball correspondent. We have Chris Chandler, who does the Deep Root Pinball for us. We have Ken Rudberg, who covers Jersey Jack. And we have Matt Morrison, our newest correspondent, who does the Chicago Gaming Corporation news. So welcome, Matt. And welcome, everybody. Hey, hey. Yeah, Matt, I think you got about half as many correspondent sessions in the can as I do. So, you know, you're, you're kicking ass so far. <laughs> Not a lot to report, though. Yeah. Oh, Matt's just making stuff up, though. We heard the last one. He's making up rumors. <laughs> <laughs> He's our new Canada. Canada, sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I go to Canada to get to the news. Yeah. Hey, he's got his sources. Exactly. Um, I got a little tidbit from Franchi the other day. Ooh. Yeah. Something you haven't told us? Uh, not, nothing on air yet. It, it's basically just a, a really nice statement. <laughs> so <laughs> you hold, you're holding that back for your next uh, correspondence section? Yeah, that's really all I've got. <laughs> that's a lot. the statement probably had a lot of f bombs in it. So <laughs> I wish it was like it was. We had a really nice chat, and like it, uh, <laughs> there was no f bombs. Well, excellent. Well, this has been a long time in the making, hasn't it, fellas? We've uh, we've been talking about it. We've been humming. We've been hawing. Zach's been uh, prodding a little bit, and uh, Dennis has been uh, been sighing and lo- and looking the other way. I think. <laughs> tolerance, I think, is uh, it, right. it's not acceptance, but tolerance is how I classify it. <laughs> Hoping it doesn't come to fruition, I'm sure he's like, "Oh, god damn it, not well, another too one. late for that." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am, of course, Craig Bobby. Um, I cover the Stern Stern Pinball folks, and um, you know, we all got our start uh, back when um, Ken and Bill were doing the uh, the Special Win Lit podcast, of course with those fine fellows. And I was uh, probably a little different than some of you folks. It was sort of my first step into the pinball world. I'd been thinking about it for a long time and uh, started looking, listening to some podcasts. Special One Lit happened to be one of them. And uh, when Ken and Bill had a shout out for correspondence, I thought, well, fuck it, here I go. So so I sent them an email and uh, and shockingly they answered and said, come on down. So here I am and it's been a hilarious ride. Those guys were and are extremely funny and gracious and uh, and they were good good mentors for us all to cut our teeth here in the in the pinball media world that we live in at the moment. It's, it's nice to speak of them in the past tense like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sounds like a eulogy or something. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, Ken and Bill. <laughs> Whatever you may be. R.I.P. R.I.P. 
So, Doctor John, why do you why do you talk to, talk to us a little bit? Because you've been in the uh, in the pinball community for quite a while. I'm going to call you the veteran of the experience, group. Experience, experience. I'm the I'm yeah. the, the old wizened man. Yes. Now I am. Um, I'm a bit of a podcast slut. I've been around uh, a lot. I, I started. I think my first one was uh, the pinball podcast with Don and Jeff. Prob- I don't know. Eight years ago. Something like that. Was that dial-up back then? <laughs> I think it was a, a gopher and a wheel. I, I recorded yeah, an episode signals. with them while I was on holidays in Fiji in the middle of a cyclone. And we actually had to evacuate the island, but I did a uh, Indiana Jones pinball review and a bit of a quiz with them and then um, went on to uh, Pinheads with the, with the boys from Australia and uh, been doing the traps around. I think I've done pretty much all of them so far. I just like chatting about pinball, as you'll find. Um my introduction to pinball was more later in life than a lot of younger players because I grew up in the 70s when uh, video games came to the fore. So the first Space Invader machine appeared in Australia about 1978 and I got hooked on them. Uh, pinballs were around, but they weren't played very much then. They were in the dying stages. And then when they came back... Uh, in the early 90s, I was at university and uh, I hired one to put in our rec room for the medical students to play and they got hooked on that. And then uh, basically someone tried to steal that at one stage and wheel it out of the rec room because it was interfering with everyone's socialising, as they said. <laughs> so it, it was derisive then. Uh, yeah, and then I heard a radio show oh, probably about 2011 saying uh, pinball machines were a good investment if you buy them. So I started buying them and uh, kept going on from then. Uh, yeah, thank you whoever did that radio interview. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> and you've lost money ever since. <laughs> <laughs> I, I prefer to think of it as recycling money. It comes in, it goes out, supports the economy. You don't lose yeah. any money if you don't sell them. That's that's the key. Yeah, that's, that's the key. <laughs> you lose families. So. Well, there's that. <laughs> Less, lesser important. <laughs> so you've been covering Spooky and, of course, Haggis. Damien's quite the character. You, you've met him a bunch of times. He's, of course, from Australia like you are. How far away is as, uh, their office from where you live, John? Yeah, I'm up to the Gold Coast of Queensland. They're in Melbourne. It's a two-hour flight or about... Uh... Oh, so not, not close. Okay. No, 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 not close. But I, I go down to Melbourne probably two times a year, catch up with the boys uh, from head-to-head and yeah. their tournaments that they have down there. See Damien at the shows as well. I've been to the factory a couple of times as well. So, yeah, I first met him at uh, a show that Marty Robbins organised uh, for the, uh, the Southern Championships, the Flipping Out, not Flipping Out, Flip Out Championships. And Damien was there with his machine. That's the first time I played it, and I loved it. And uh, said, Rodeo, take my money. I'll have uh, machine number one. Thanks, Damien. And uh, it's been good because Marty and Ryan have been working on the rules with him, and I've got to play it. The layout's oh. good. The rules are fun. Yeah, so I catch up with him. And I probably caught up with Charlie even more, even though he's in Wisconsin. I first met him at TPF six years ago. Uh, yeah, and then catch him at Texas every year and uh, see him in a couple of other shows that uh, the family have been to. We, we talk pretty regularly. So I like my uh, – I've only got – like Haggis has got two employees and Charlie's got about four plus the techs that work on things. And I, <laughs> I pretty much know them all. So it's good. It's good. We've got a good relationship. So, Brian, tell us about your background a little bit. You have some pinball machines on location, right? Yeah, I've got some machines on location at a local brewery. I was actually going to 
try to get a couple more places going right before all this COVID-19. So that's all been put on hold. Basically, was just a collector, probably like everybody else, and started out with a few arcade games and moved over to pinball. I think Baby Pac-Man was my first pinball machine, so that's kind of a strange one to be your first game. Got in to listen to some of the podcasts and just wanted to help out any way I could, and Ken needed uh, somebody to be the correspondent for Special One Lit, so that's what started this. Fantastic. And you've actually been over to American Pinball and met all those folks over there? I have. I went to American Pinball during Expo 2019, so they let me come in and see everything in the factory and play some games and saw some of the prototype games that they had set up, so got to meet a lot of the team at American Pinball back then, but uh, haven't been back since. So That's because they won't let you back in the factory. Yeah. <laughs> not true. Is that restraining order still in effect right now? I think that, <laughs> no, that, the that, well, expired, right? that. that expires. No, that, that employee left. Okay, perfect. Yeah, you're good. You're good. I'm good. So, Ken, you're covering Jersey Jack, of course. I've made several attempts to talk to people over there, and I'm sure they were so busy with all of the games they were shipping out, they didn't have time to respond to me. But uh, I, I will have, I do have to say that Jack Guarneri himself responded to me eventually, and he gave me a few sentences for one of the updates I had a little while back. But I'm hoping <laughs> Ken Cromwell can do better than that for me. He, he says he will. Um, still remains to be seen, but I um, I, I have str- high hopes for the content that I should be receiving out of uh, out of him and his communications role. My understanding is he specializes in communication. Yes, that and, and we have we have lots of dirt on Ken as well. So there's lots of leverage there for information. <laughs> that is true. So I, I'll, I'll just give you a quick background on how I got in, into pinball, or at least how I did recently. I, I grew up a kid of, of the 80s. Uh, I, I went to the arcade, like uh, it, it, right in the peak of when it was at its height. And I played, like John, I played a lot of video games. Uh, but because the pinball machines were always kind of in the back, there was the uh, older teenagers back there. Uh, that smoked and did all the uh, who I'm not sure what they did back there, but that was not Ooh, an area that you wanted to horrible. get near. Yeah. Um, but you could kind of look over there and see and think, you know, maybe when I get a little older, I can go back to the pinball section. And uh, so then that went away, and uh, I kind of discovered pinball in the in the 90s in the heyday of Bally Williams. Uh, I was going to college. There was a big arcade in the student union building, and uh, you know, I played all the classics i remember fishtails and adam's family and all those machines new on the floor played those a lot and then i really didn't get into pinball after i graduated back until i think 2014 i was at the uh, northwest uh, pinball and arcade show and uh, that was the first time i had heard there was anything like this and i went on to the floor and saw these pinball machines and finally realized, hey, you can actually own a pinball machine. I had no idea. Eventually, I picked up a cheap EM, a Williams Aztec, got to figure out how that worked and then kind of worked my way up to, I think my second machine was Batman Forever and then a World Cup soccer. And it just kind of cascaded after that. And here I am on a podcast now. So who knew? And now, have you been to the Jersey Jack factory previously? I have not. I've not. I don't think I've ever traveled for pinball out of the Seattle area, which is where I live. So, yeah, no factory tours, no Pinburg, nothing like that. Well, we'll have to change that. 
yeah. soon. I, I'm pretty sure there's a travel budget with this job. Oh, perfect. They, I hadn't heard have, about that. Zach, Zach just hasn't told anybody yet, but we're going to we're going to make one. Damn it. But it's, oh, it's- I, 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 I only fly <laughs> business class, though. Is that going to be a problem or? <laughs> no, not for Zach. Perfect. Chris, Mr. Deep Root. Yes. So my uh, my foray into pinball is uh, pretty typical, right? I was uh, like a lot of people. An arcade guy never really got into pins because I never had somebody to caress me by the hand and show me what a pinball machine is is all about. But uh, luckily, that happened uh, a couple three years ago. A buddy of mine picked up a uh, Star Wars for better or for worse. Found out like holy crap, there's more than just like not draining. There's objectives and rules, and you know the games are different every time. You can actually try to do the same thing and. Holy crap! The outcome's different every time. So uh, that you know really got me excited and, and interested in in the hobby. So like I do with most hobbies, I completely bailed on the previous hobby, which was go karting. Sold all that shit. Ended up using that to fund the purchase of a high speed. Uh, it was in disrepair, as most people's first pen usually is, and uh, put some TLC into that. But more importantly, put a hard top on it. Uh, completely rebuilt the back box of that bad boy. But um, you know, in the end, it ended up being a pretty nice pen. Didn't make any money on it, but uh, at least kind of broke even. So, uh, you know, it ended up pretty pretty good in the end. You know, I had a fun pen, got to play it for a long time, and basically got to do it for free. So once I was winding that down to figuring out what the next pen was going to be, uh, the wife, you know, realized, okay, this is sticking. He's actually going to do this for a while. Uh, and she was kind enough to say, look, just go get your grail pen. Whatever it is you want, go get it. So... I just so happened to be in the exact same city as Eric from Titan Pinball. He had a Simpsons pinball party, which was in really nice shape. And so I uh, happened to see that he was selling it at the Houston Pinball Expo. Tried to snag it out from underneath him before he got there, uh, but he was committed to taking it. Um, so ended up going to, the, going to Houston. It was great because I got to go play Raza. You know, so this is the deep root tie-in, and wow. you know it, it was uh, it was a really interesting uh, show to go to because it's it's a lot smaller than TPF, uh, a lot more intimate, right? And I got to spend a lot of time talking up and uh, getting to know a couple of the folks, um, you know, Craig and Sean who who are there at Deep Root, and the great thing is is that has netted me two really great things out of Deep Root, Jack. And shit, because I haven't had a chance to get anything out of those guys. Robert runs a really tight ship there. Um, so I'm looking forward to the day where they can talk again, because I know those guys want to talk. You know, I know everybody's wanting stuff out of Deep Root and mm-hmm. they, they want to hear what's coming. And, you know, all the hyperbole and all the everything, everything that Robert's been talking about. Everybody wants to see it so bad. I guarantee you, everybody that works there wants to tell us like 10 times as bad. We were so close prior to Big Rona coming, uh, you know, to, to seeing what that was. So I'm just looking forward to that opening back up and getting a chance to see what we're going to get out of that. And what was your impression of Raza when you were there at Houston? What, what was your quick 30 second feel on that game? It was a fun shooter. I'm short on space and a bit of a cheap ass. So would I have bought it? Eh, probably not. But I could see what they were going for. Um all the parts were there. It it was it was um, again. There's ramp gate. Everybody got ticked off about that. Personally, didn't feel it was that bad, but um, it, it was a fun pin to shoot. I mean, it was definitely. Uh, well, I'll put it this way: I could have gone and played a whole ton of different pins, 
I basically hung out and played Raza damn near the whole time. That's <laughs> the best review I can give you. Which says a lot, considering there was probably every every machine out there was uh, was at that show, right? So did hop out to catch a little of Scott Denisi's set, but you know, other than that, uh, it was pretty much Raza 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 the whole time. Well, there's certainly been lots of hype with those guys, so hopefully they uh, they deliver because it would be great for the uh, for the industry. And you're not alone, I think, in in terms of uh, people wanting to see what they uh, what they have to offer. You know, there's been it's been years in the making, so fingers crossed. Yes, it is. It is time to to excrement or vacate the toilet at this point. Yes. <laughs> now, importantly, Chris, in all that deep roots, fascinating. But I want to know where you find a wife that says, "Go and buy your grail in." Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me. Are you sure you're still <laughs> on the? the in, in, are you Are you sure it's still a joint checking account and she didn't block you <laughs> financially? <laughs> no, I think it's the you know. Hey, look, shiny, shiny. Ignore what I'm doing over here. Shiny, shiny. <laughs> Oh, hey, my wife lets me get any pen I want. She thinks they all are like $1,000 a piece. So, hey. What do they say that uh, the worst nightmare of a pinball owner is that when they die, their wife sells their machines for what they told what he told them <laughs> that they cost? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a big thing. Well, you know, that's one of the things I deal with, with you know, being a small time operator. I, I go to my location and clean them, play games, you know, just meet and greet everybody that's there. And, the biggest question I get is, oh, do they still make pinball machines? Well, you know, here, obviously, they still do. And the other question is, how much do they cost? And people will say, well, gosh, is this pinball machine, is it $500 or maybe $1,000? And I'm like, mm, it's a little bit more than that. I really don't have the heart to tell them how much it is. Yes, yeah, pinball machines, $5,000. Well, we are in the age of $5 or even $1 health-free apps, right? So, you know, what's interesting is that the cost of entertainment has gone down significantly. So you really have to be hyper passionate about this hobby to even want to step into yeah. in, in, into a pin. And I have no idea what it is that uh, really attracts people. I had a couple came over to my house that said the same thing. You know, I've got 15 machines here. And this uh, chap's wife said, uh, oh, I like the band ACDC. How much would one of those be to buy? And I said, well, you can't get them anymore. On the second-hand market in Australia, they're probably about oh, nine, ten thousand dollars. She said, "You're crazy. Why would you do that?" Then she had two <laughs> glasses of red wine, played three games, turned to her husband and said, "Buy this machine." And uh, <laughs> two days later, not only did they pay nine or ten thousand dollars, they bought it back in black, limited edition, for thirteen thousand dollars, which they still have. So wow. the buck can grab at any time. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. Well, thirteen thousand Australian. That's like what two dollars and fifty US, right? <laughs> about at the moment. No, it's getting better. We're recovering slowly. We're, I think we're at about sixty-two cents in the dollar at the moment. But uh, we're hoping the uh, dollar keeps recovering because I've got a uh, Rick and Morty I've got to pay for when it uh, goes back to being built. And uh, with the dollar dropping below fifty, it suddenly became a thirteen and a half thousand dollar pinball machine. That game's getting more expensive. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Here in Canada too, same thing. Ooh, damn that greenback. <laughs> we just talked about, you know, pinball machines. So there there really is no duplicating that physical interactive game. Uh, the virtual pinball doesn't duplicate it. Video games don't duplicate it. Nothing can really replace that machine yeah. and that feel you get from it though. So I think that's that's part of the allure and part of the the charm and, and specialness of the pinball machine is that it, it does something that really nothing else does. It, it has interactive, yeah. you know, that, that interactiveness is, 
something that can't be replicated. So, well, see, that brings up the everlasting topic of virtual pinball as a gateway drug, right? Because, you know, like I talked about, my buddy got a, a Star Wars and that just got me interested in pins in general. Well, my only outlet was getting, you know, pinball arcade and playing games on that. And that's, you know, that's what actually led me to saying, man, I want a high speed. Like that, that was the game I wanted. Well, mm-hmm. technically I wanted a getaway, but you know, hey, cheap ass again, settling. It's interesting to, to, you know, I know it's one of Zach's passionate topics is, you know, he's like, oh, it has no value. It has no value. There's value. But I think you're right, Cause, in the fact that it's one of those things where when you have to settle, it'll do. But, you know, when, you know, compared to the real thing, eh, it's just nothing like it. It's like driving a race car versus, you know, you know yeah, playing Gran Turismo. Yeah. Well, and everybody's got to start somewhere. I remember like one of my local Facebook groups I just saw the other day, you know, a guy had a Hollywood Heat for, you know, $750 or something like that. And guys were like, oh, it's a, that's a crummy game. You don't want that. Well, you know what? Somebody that doesn't have $7,500 to spend on a game can buy that $750 game, have fun, learn, Mm -hmm. and then maybe in a few years or more, they can save up, they can get a better game, they can, it's just once you get started with one, you can always advance and move further by repairing or or buying and selling, trading, and that's one of the biggest things I've noticed in, in pinball is so many guys just trade. People keep a game for six months and you just trade a game with someone. You don't have to buy a new game. You just trade. So that's a big thing I've noticed. Except these things are like 300 pounds, so it's pretty hard to move them around by yourself. So that's the only big problem. And I, I just have to say, uh, for coming from the pinball market trends, I think Hollywood Heat is on the rise <laughs> lately. So Trading up this week. I think it's trending Trading up. <laughs> Hollywood Heat. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. And hard body. Both of them together, <laughs> trending up. Bye, bye, bye! Just so long as we don't have any goats on the stream, please. That <laughs> that goat, if I had to make one cr- criticism, that goat is so grating when he when when Zach hits that goat. Jeez. Mission accomplished. Uh, yeah, oh, breaking like, news. Yes. I, I heard rumors American Pinball is working on Goat Simulator. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> just kidding. Zach goat will be happy. <laughs> Hey Matt, so why don't you chime in a little bit here uh, and give us you're the you're our newest correspondent for Chicago Gaming Corp. And uh, now, did I hear that you're Canadian? I'm not Canadian, no. North oh. Carolina. Damn it. Sorry, yeah, sorry, man. See, I'm trying to make everybody Canadian here slowly. Hey, <laughs> I, I grew up in Vancouver, so that's close. There you go. So Matt, why don't you give us a little rundown about your uh, history in pinball, how you got uh, to know Zach or how you got involved with the pinball show? When I was a kid, I was like you guys. I I really thought uh, pinball was kind of a ripoff, especially back in the day with Adam's family where there wasn't like any ball saves and, you know, you were out three balls in like five seconds. And so I just go back to Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter or whatever and uh, forget about it. But when I was in college, there was a family fun center nearby that um, they actually had a brand new Simpsons pinball party. And um, I would go, I had this long break in between classes and 
I just walked up one day and started playing and I was addicted. I went back like every day, uh, especially when I had those long breaks to, to play Simpsons. And I really got hooked then. And I remember going online and saying like, well, how much is a pinball machine? And back then it was like 3,500 bucks. And I was like, oh, this will never happen. I'll never own a pinball machine. So I just kind of forgot about it and, um, you know, finished school and started working. And all, all this time I'd been a big console game collector and uh, the prices of that stuff just rose astronomically and i've always built hot rods in my spare time and flip cars and stuff and i I walked into uh, the pinball museum in Asheville, and uh they had a taxi and i put up a high score on and i was like i've got to get a pinball machine like this old machine can't be that expensive and i walked up to the guy at the desk and uh i was like how much is like this game how much is a taxi and he was like oh you know that's like the rare maryland version it's like four grand and I was like, oh, my God. So that's when I stumbled onto Pinside, and I just put up an ad and said, hey, I want a taxi. I don't care which version it is. And I bought one for 1300 bucks. Ever since then, it's just been an avalanche of buying and fixing machines and doing a lot like Brian said. I'll, you know, I work my way up the ladder. I'll, I'll get a System 11, fix it, move up to a, like a lower tier WPC, then do a, a newer game. And now I have... I really only have room for three machines, but I have three really nice machines now. So it only took like six years, but here we are. But around the time I got that taxi, I really wanted a Ghostbusters. And I actually found straight down the middle on YouTube. And I, I was talking to Zach and, you know, telling him what I liked and how some of their reviews were terrible and Say what? <laughs> things like that. And uh, what? Every single review is a B plus. How is that terrible? Yeah. 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 No, no, I love that stuff. And uh, so eventually one day he, uh, everybody bailed on him, I think, for a uh, one of the podcasts. And I was like, I'll do it. So I went out and bought a microphone. And ever since then, when he when he's really, really desperate, he calls me. So um, that's how I got here. So you're the hot chick he calls when like all the other hot chicks bail on him. Is that exactly is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, right. yeah. I'm like third, hey. fourth year. Hey, hey, you're still hot chick, though. I, I, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Take it where you can get it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Matt, you mentioned the prices of pinball when you're getting started, because I kind of started from the arcade side, and I was getting a $500 Terminator 2 arcade machine that was in pristine shape. And this is just a couple years ago, and the guy had a couple games there, like Jurassic Park and uh, Wizard of Oz, and he was telling me, oh, gosh, Jurassic Park's $3,000. I'm like, my jaw dropped. And he said, oh, the Wizard yeah. of Oz, it's like ten grand. i am like, what? Say what? Yeah. So it, it's really relative to how you get started. Like I said, I just remember the $500 arcade game, which was a lot of money at the time, you know, morphs to the $5,000, you know, pinball machine now. So it's 10 times as much money. So I see why guys in the arcade side get scared away by the prices of pinball right now. And that's one thing that definitely is on the rise. I, I don't know if that's going to stop anytime soon. So what, what are you guys opinion on that? Well, and part of it is that, you know, they're probably coming at coming at it from the aspect of, you know, I bought Galaga or I bought Pac-Man or I bought, you know, Game X that's going to play more or less the same way every time. Right. And like I mentioned earlier, pinball, I don't give a shit how much you try to like play it the same every time. It's it's going to play different every time. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. You know, it, to me, that's that's what makes that's where the value is, is I may want to go in Simpsons Piddle, Pinball Party. I may want to go and try to go for alien invasion and things may get completely sideways and I say, screw it. I'm going for something else. Right. But it's to me, that's what makes pinball unique is the fact that it's not the same every single time, despite your best efforts. 
Yeah, yeah and absolutely. I see a lot of arcade collectors uh, trying to move to pinball lately, too. You see, the, uh, you know, we'll sell their games for X price or we'll trade for pinball. And so I think they're seeing the value there, too, because you can only play Pac-Man so many times. I mean, I'm sure there are people who can play it forever, but I'm not one of those people. Yeah, that, that would bore me to have like, you know, five or ten arcades all in a line, especially, you know, like a bunch of Popeye or Donkey Kong. I, you know, unless you were practicing to set scores on those games, I I would be tired of that pretty quickly. Like, I, I've got a Jurassic Park premium, and today, like, I, I mean, I've, I've been to Nublar legit, and I literally today just did the Invalid uh, invalid Frenzy, the, the weird Nedry mode off the uh, Smart Missile. I, and I mean, I've had it since like November and this is the first time I actually just, just picked that, you know, and it, it's, I mean, it's constantly new stuff. Yeah. And it, it was a really funny mode. Yeah. That's cool. It's like when you have a machine for months or even years and you're, and you've uncovered something that you've never seen before. That's pretty cool. Obviously it was a ridiculously expensive machine for, for me, but Dr. John, it would be like <laughs> $18,000 Australian, but it, it makes the investment about right. Yeah. 16,500 yeah. 16, uh, LE new here in Australia. Wow. wow. Mine's, mine's just a premium, but uh, yeah, it's, it's still, it, it was hard to swallow that. I don't buy a new in box very often. So that, I made an exception for that one. They do hold their value. I think. I mean, I, I spoke to my distributor up here and said, why would I get an LE rather than a premium? And he said, the resale value. And I've always found that. Every LE I've ever bought, I've been able to sell for the exact same amount that I bought it for, even Ghostbusters, because um, wow. <laughs> people just want the LE. Um, not that there's anything wrong with Ghostbusters. The premiums, I would find, you lose about $1,000 when you sell it. But I normally sell them after about 18 months, and to me – I lost $1,000. I put some games on it. I had it for 18 months. I'm happy with that. So Yeah, sure. And there is a bit of a cachet, I find, with these things um, as well in terms of, you know, if you have one in your home and people come over to see it, it doesn't matter whether, you know, someone's uh, five years old or 50 years old. The look in their eyes when they see that pinball machine sitting in your basement or in your living room or wherever it may be, you know, someone looks at a, at a, you know, sees an Xbox or a PS4 and they don't even notice it anymore. But someone sees a pinball machine and all of a sudden it's like, wow, look at this thing. And it doesn't matter if it's a brand new machine or if it's a machine from the 70s or 60s or whatever. You know, there's there's something about these machines that they're, they really are, I think, sort of a timeless game that people enjoy playing enjoy seeing you know this the the lights that i mean the new ones are actually you know quite spectacular i'm always i'm amazed every time i go and play a new uh game it's almost like you know you can't drive a, a bad car these days it's almost like that in pinball though i know i know people would argue uh vehemently against that but i mean the light shows even on the worst made game these days versus the, you know, the old days are incredible, I think, you know, and the technology that goes into these things is quite, quite something. Yeah. And that's what's gotten me, I guess, reinvigorated in pinball. Like I said, I went from a collector to being a operator and I just love putting my game out there for someone to enjoy. And here in our, our smaller city, we didn't have anywhere else to play pinball. So, in my way, I guess I'm thinking, hey, I'm going to share pinball. I'm going to put it out here for people to enjoy. And I priced it a little cheaper. I was putting it at 50 cent a game, which some people told me I was crazy. But I didn't do it for the making money. I just did it because I love pinball. And like you are mentioning, I love to see people 
I love to see their smiles and kids are just having a great time and, and anyone else is having a great time playing. That's that's what's more valuable to me than anything is just kind of sharing my love of pinball. And maybe maybe that one person who comes and plays will get a pinball machine for their house or they'll just have that memory where they're going to always just remember having fun with pinball. So that's that's one thing I try to try to provide. So I enjoy that. That's awesome, man. Very awesome. Is there a difference? Where do you have your pinball machines located? Because I know I had uh, I rented out some to people's houses uh, last year who all enjoyed it. Um, family entertainment centres, okay. I worry about bars, putting my nice games in pubs where people are spilling beers and abusing them. Uh, okay. where, where do you have yours located? Mine are in a local brewery right now, which is a really well-maintained brewery. The guys there at the brewery, enjoy playing my games on their after hours. They're the ones that have all the high scores on there, um, but they really take care of them. Uh, the, the only real problem I ever noticed is every once in a while, somebody had set their beer on top of the glass and I just see some residue there. I just go clean it up. But overall, they've taken really good care of them. I've not had any issues. Nothing, Nothing's broken. Nothing's damaged. Uh, nothing's been vandalized. They've taken really good care of them. And like I said, everyone who plays them just has a good time and just enjoys playing. There's nobody there tearing them up necessarily. Good to know. Not like the uh, classic days of the arcade where people are scratching their initials in or whatever they could think of to scratch into the yeah, side. Yeah, the there's cigarettes laying on top of them. I've got a you know Donkey Kong that's all burnt up because the cigarettes were laying there, uh, stuff like that. But nothing, nothing's getting damaged like that anymore. See, people seem to take much better care of them there at this local brewery. Now, if it was at the bowling alley or somewhere like that, it may get banged on more and, and, and abused, but it's been taken very well care of at the, at the brewery. Yeah. I've, I've taken my games to the, uh, the pinball show, uh, a couple of times. And for the most part, it's fine. I mean, they get a ton of plays during that weekend, but last time I took some machines, someone stuck gum underneath. Uh, like who does that? What? Say what? That's gross. Yeah, not cool. Gross. Not cool. <laughs> I will say though that during this, you know, during this COVID nineteen shutdown we've had, my games haven't really been getting much use. But the thing is, I talked to the guys at the brewery, and he's like, "Hey, you know, we're still playing them. You know, we're we're still there at the brewery doing takeout and to go orders." And he said, "Hey, you can leave them here as long as you want. You know, they're still getting all kinds of plays, so I'm doing that. But that means I have no games at home." But I did find a guy that I rented a Guardians of the Galaxy for, and I rented that from him for $200 a month. Nice. And so that's, the brewery guys great. are hooking you up with beer, right? Because, you know, even exchange, come on, they're getting game time, no, need some brews. Their, they're, they're putting their quarters and dollars in and keeping the coin box full. So. Oh, I got you. I got you. I was yeah, thinking yeah. on free play. Gotcha. No, no, it's not on free play. It's still there sitting, uh, making money. <laughs> At least that's what he thinks. Shh, shh, that's what he thinks. I hope so. I'll have to go check it tomorrow and make sure there's money in there. Yeah, the coin box is in one coin is in the box. <laughs> well, I tell you, right before all this shutdown, when everybody was still going out, like I said, I have Stranger Things Pro, a Ghostbusters Pro, a Jurassic Park Pro, and I have a Star Trek Pro. And Stranger Things was doubling or tripling what other games were making it was making a killing at my brewery it was doing really well so because I'm, no one can make the demogorgon <laughs> shot mine worked fine there is a way yep there is a way 
to uh, adjust that, but uh, I've got a right to stern about it. It's it's a bit. It's not even technical. They just need to add one lock nut above the uh, flange where the coil stop sits on because as you hit the demigorgon, that coil stop tends to vibrate and move down, especially if it's a premium LE, and it makes the demigorgon sit back a little. But you just adjust that coil stop up and lock it in that position. I can make it 80%, 90% of the time as well. Wow. Yeah, my wife can make it, so she's actually better at pinball than I am. <laughs> so she's not too bad. Hey, John, and you were the winner of the Stern uh, Game Room of the Week um, or the Month Award, or I can't know if it's a week, month. It's a week, yep. They, uh, what did they, um, what did they end up sending you in your little, uh, swag pack there? Oh, sadly it was a, uh, WWE LE. (laughs) 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 I just marked return to sender. No, it's, uh, (laughs) no, no, it was very nice. Um, I was surprised. I got a t-shirt and I've got a, uh, stern hat. Um, and I, think that was all I can't remember <laughs> but I, that, that was the main two big things there may have been some little things I also got I got a Christmas anyone here in the Stern Army I am not no no that's okay. the way the yeah. cricket sound gets played I think <laughs> yeah. I think I'm in there I have some kind of dog tags I got one time there you go so um if you run tournaments and you join the Stern Army they sent out a Christmas present which had uh, a nice card I think it was written by Zach Sharp's children <laughs> he got to because they had to write a lot of them. Look at the handwriting. It was his kids. But it also came with a little Transformer toy. Hmm. Suspicious? I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. So we, we'll see. But we no, that's wait and put, see. Put your game rooms in. You never know. I think it's a random draw. I'm going to put your game room in again and see if they pick up on that. Now, we've got other people introduced still as well that have been waiting patiently. Do we? Who we missed here? We got Matt. Ken, Matt. Matt. No, he we he. Oh, uh, he Matt. Yeah, he was talking. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We yeah. did Matt. Yeah. 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 Oh, memorable Matt. Very good. Thank you. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do we do we want to play some drain it or save it, or are we not want to do that? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Let's yeah, do it for man. Ken. Love, we'll do it for games. Ken and Bill. In memoriam. Yes, in memoriam. <laughs> Don't forget about Beatty. God rest his soul. Beatty. <laughs> drain it or save it. So first up on drain it or save it is flipper toppers. I'm talking about the little things that go on top of flippers. Now there's strata. You could have the sticker flipper toppers, which honestly just get drained 100%. Or you got the ones that are actually built up. They might have little stuff in them. They may be raised. They may be, you know, uh, 3D printed, whatever. But the idea of putting stuff on top of your flippers. Gentlemen, drain it or save it. Quick check who's actually got any of them on their games at the moment. Negative. <laughs> yeah, negative. No, That's right. No, the pattern no, is full. <laughs> All right. Not allowed. So none, of you, none of you own Wizard of Oz? No. Oh. Well, I've got them on Wizard of Oz because they came factory and they're ruby slippers. Yes, that's well, that I was going to say, and the reason the reason why this was brought up is I saw somebody talking about them on um, Wonka. No, what was it? Uh, they, they were talking about coins in them. Yeah, yeah, pirates. I can't pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, that's what pirates. it was. Pirates. Yes, and and they you know they were raising the distinction of 
you know, oh, these aren't like crappy stickers. These are 3D printed things. Like I've got a buddy that, you know, he bought a he bought a Wonka LE, his first pin ever, and uh, and he modded the hell out of the thing, um, and you know, and he loves it. And I got a buddy who is totally not into mods. He's 100% stock, and so it's like I got two two pin friends that are diametrically opposed. Of one loves them, one hates them. I would say from an operator perspective, then no, it's something else to fall off and something else to get, you know, a problem. But from a home collector, I would say save it. So from an operator <laughs> so perspective, nice. train it. So directly sitting on the fence with a splinter in the perineum. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go save it simply because I have put them on Twilight Zone. They had the spirals on them, but they were the stick-on type that stay there. Again, home collection. Um, I put them on Game of Thrones with all the gears. Uh, they fit the theme quite well. Uh, never seemed like they were ever going to fall off. Um, but it depends, again, on, as you said initially, how much you like to mod your game. And for me, I'm a save. I'm going to have to drain it. Uh, I, I just feel like it's unnecessary. I mean, if you're going to have mod dollars to put in your machine, that's probably the last place I would think about doing it. But uh, to put it... In another context, I do own a Scared Stiff, and I, I don't know if those count as toppers, those bony flippers. They're kind of all one thing, but uh, I guess in, if that's something you consider to be a topper, I own that, and so I guess I have them. But uh, overall, drain. I'm going to drain it as well. I, I Anytime I've seen them on games, I find them a little bit distracting. So for whatever reason, my eye, when that when the ball comes down to the flipper, I, I, you know, just because it's not something that's standard, I, I want to like, you know, uh, look at it. And um, so I find, you know, I, and I probably if, if I owned that game, I, I'm sure I would get used to it. So you don't even don't even notice it. But I'd say just you know, from a purist standpoint, I'm I I drain it as well, just because I find it a little too distracting. Yeah, I'm gonna drain it unless it's um, totally molded into the flipper bat itself. I I don't think I want it. And yeah, I'll circle back and say that uh, yeah, for me, probably a negative, but it for me it's circumstantial. I can see instances where it makes sense. Like I've I saw a recent one from a, a JGP game from uh, Pirates that uh, maybe. Maybe I could do it, but I don't know. For me, um, I, I can't say I'm an anti-mod person because I put mods on my on my Simpsons, but generally I'm more or less of a stock guy. So if I had to choose one way or the other, for me, it's stock. Right, so we've got one to four. You're all against me. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. All right, I can take next it. topic. Okay, I bought up a, uh, a one on printed manuals. Games, apart from the occasional LE, don't really come out with printed manuals anymore. Mm -hmm. Now, it's easy to say, right, everyone would prefer a game that comes with a printed manual. And I'll put the proviso. It's not done anymore for two reasons. One is the cost of manufacture, which, of course, wouldn't be that much, but a lot of stuff isn't. And the other one is the time it takes to develop and write it prior to the game release. Now, Jersey Jack comes out with downloadable manuals, which are often written after the release, Spooky's the same. Uh, I'm not sure if Stern manuals are available exactly at the time of release. So drain it or save it. Do they wait until the manual's finished to release the game and add the expense to the cost of the game? Or do they continue to release games without the manual? 
I don't have any need for a paper manual in 2020 as much um, with the internet access. So I would say it's not a need. For me, it's it's all about whether you're a collector or um, because if I'm a collector, I want every single bit of tangible stuff I could get mm-hmm. around the game. Right? Mm-hmm. I I want the goodie bag. I want the I want the manual. God damn it! I want I want all of it. Right? <laughs> so so I can understand I can understand Kaz's standpoint. Right? If just from a pure logistics standpoint, hell no! I'd rather have a PDF. Man, that thing is searchable. Like that's that's way more <laughs> useful. But you know, from a you know pure emotional you know, human being standpoint, give me that manual. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm a manual kind of guy, even though I know they're <clears throat> horribly outdated. But just from a collector's standpoint, it's just something else that's tactile that you can hold and get your hands on. And uh, I heard that on that um, that Jersey Jack has some has some really nice manuals on their Pirates run. They had apparently, or maybe it was on the CE that that came with a beautiful uh, manual. Yeah, weren't they a hundred dollars? Yeah, they all cost an extra hundred dollars if you want to buy them plus shipping, and they're very heavy. They are really nice manuals, but my I guess my only question is: is it manual worth a hundred dollars? It's cheaper than a chopper. I fully retract my previous statement. <laughs> Screw the book. Can the can the manual be used as a topper? Hey, I'm I'm the opposite. As you you play the game, it'll just go to one page to the other, just flap back and forth. I I like to have something I can hold that I could put on top of my machine when I got my head down in there. I'm trying to fix something, trying to figure out what's wrong with it. I can look at it. And I mean, come on. Does it really cost $100 to print a manual? I mean, back in the Bally Williams days, they had the manual done and they included it with the machine and shipped it all out together i don't see why it's that big a deal so i am i don't see why yeah and every time you buy like these things are almost expensive as cars these days and every time you buy a car well damn it there's a huge manual in those things so come on guys they exactly can, why you're spending you're spending you know 13 grand or you know north of 10 a lot of times on these things <laughs> they can pony up with for a little paper you can't go down to kinko's and uh you know yeah. print out the pdf and put it in a little binder thing for 10 bucks and Included. <laughs> Come on. Exactly. Yeah. No arguments allowed on this podcast, please. <laughs> I, I got to agree. I, I think for the cost of these things, like the manual needs to be in the machine when it's in the box and you buy it. I, uh, the PDF file, you know, it's true. It, it is way easier to, to search it, but there is something when you're going over a wiring schematic and having the book right there that it's kind of nice, but, you know, having a tablet with the wiring schematic on there is fine too, but. I think for the cost of the machine, it should be in it. Well, it should be done before the machine gets sent out. I mean, okay, you're working on code. That's one thing. But I mean, this is like the instructions for like how your machine operates. It's like you kind of need that from the beginning. But hey, that's... Yeah. It, well, if it's already been engineered and they've t- you know stripped it down to an, an assembly language to be built... The man. I mean, how hard would it be to to put that in a manual? You know, I mean, they they already know the part numbers and everything. So, um, I I think it's uh, it's more they don't want to release some of that stuff as far as like how the spike architecture works. Didn't they just release that like, you know, a year ago or something? Yes, but no one can understand it. Oh, really? Okay, I never. <laughs> <laughs> no, not good. So, why do you think they don't release manuals now? Is it purely cost saving? <laughs> 
I think it's a bit I'm of sure both. All of the above. Yeah, it's all of the above. I'm sure. The but, time it takes like you said, to make a detailed manual. I mean, they're they're available digitally, so it, I, I'm sure there is. It it is mostly a cost thing, and like you said, John, I'm sure there's a little bit of. Uh, you know, they don't have to have all their eyes dotted and T's crossed before this the, the things go out. You know, I'm sure they rely a lot if people are having trouble on. You know all the 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 wealth of information on YouTube. They have customer service lines that you can call. You know, it's probably people go to their manual probably last. They've figured out too, and so they're not maybe as critical as people think they are. I, I don't know. Well, I think you I think you're onto something with the fact that it takes a while to produce these things, right? I mean, um, again, the the friend of mine that got me into into pins in, in general is a huge JJP guy, and you know their manuals tend to lag. You know, they'll release a pin and the manual may not come out for quite a while after that. But when they do, honestly, they're kind of masterpieces. Like they're really, really nice made docs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that sort of stuff just takes time. I think they fired that guy. So maybe, maybe not anymore. Well, this topic is a little bit of a sad topic. <laughs> the COVID-19 <laughs> shutdown. Listen, drain it or save it. Do you think that there will be an expo... 2020. Oh, no, that's a good one. I like that. And so, no drain means there will not be one. I'm assuming. Yeah, drain it means no, no, no. Yeah, no expo. Save it means there will be one. Yeah. Will there be an expo 2020 this October in Chicago? Drain it. Yeah, drain it. Given the fact that everything is not opened up currently, uh, well, I don't know. I, I look at my watch and it's May 12. Uh, October is. I mean, think about it. it it's May 12th. Think about where we were March 12th. Yeah. Five months from now, will we have and how, mm. Exactly. So so how different the world is two months from now versus now versus where, what is going to be five months from now? Uh, I don't know. I could be persuaded. I, yeah, I'm going to say drain it only because I hear what you're saying. And I do think that um, people will be – I don't think – I think people will be a little more used to it, the the notion of taking precautions and, and distancing and all that stuff. But I, I think from an um, organizing a trade um, a trade show, an expo uh, like this, where they have to make decisions probably now about whether they're going to do it, I'm going to say drain it because they're not going to be able to guarantee that the show is going to go. I will say that even here locally in my area, they're already canceling fall events. Yeah. So... That's, I don't know if they're just being preventative, just, you know, anticipating that things will be shut down and just going ahead and canceling them. That's when I I wonder how long it takes to plan Expo, that if they, would they keep going as normal and and then all of a sudden they're going to cancel it in, you know, September? Uh, Because a lot of people have to fly in. There's people all over the world that come there. Will 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 all that travel be open back up five months from now? I got to think that a pinball show has got to give COVID a giant boner, right? I mean, that's exactly the perfect Petri dish in which it does stuff, right? It's people touching stuff, people close together, people with honestly questionable hygiene to begin with. I'm getting so, a boner just talking about that. Say what? Yeah. Oh, my God. Come on. Insert goat noise. <laughs> But seriously, I mean, it's it is like the perfect storm for a highly transferable disease. You know, that that's 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 the unfortunate part is, is, you know, 
being near each other is one thing. Being being near each other in a enclosed area is another thing. Being near each other, touching the same damn thing over and over again is another thing. You know, it's like you start adding these things together, and unless this thing is like kind of nipped in the bud, um, I I gotta say, drain it. I want to be really positive and optimistic. I hope it happens, but I'll have to drain it. I don't think it's going to happen. No. Who here honestly would go? Who would go if it was on? I'm going to I'm going to be on the positive side. I have to be a contrarian and say I think uh, we're going to have to save it. I think it'll happen in some format. It might not look like Expo in the past. It may look totally different, but I think something will happen, and I think by then things will be better. And that is my story. I'm sticking to it. It's, it's going to be it, it's going to be uh, Doctor John with uh, his haggis pinball, and that will be Expo. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be it. people running around those big T Rex suits, you know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's it. Drain or save it. Pinball show makes it to twenty episodes. Oh, oops. <laughs> 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 drain it or save it there's another midweek edition uh-oh yeah. so drain it or save it would you have them make another run of jersey jacks pirates of the caribbean i'm gonna save it uh i think if there's a game that people are that excited about that are interested in owning and there's not a ton of them out there why not rerun it and give the people what they want it's a great game and uh market is anxious to get more so let's let's give it to him can i add a proviso on what price it would be released at let's say it was twelve thousand us well they're selling for twelve thousand us now yeah i mean if people are willing to pay that that's great i would i would hope that it would be less than that but um if if the company can produce it for that and people are willing to buy it then let the free market work its magic I think I'm going to be the uh, the evil one here. And Ken, goddamn it, we better get a discount on that. Yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to drain it. I, I think I think if the game, if there was actually that much demand for it, and it was really that good, uh, it would have been in production longer. I mean, the the demand wasn't there. Like, I, I I've played a good bit on it, and I I really wanted to love it, and I I just don't love it. It's a good game, but I I just I think it's a bit a little overhyped. You are evil, Matt. <laughs> my, my buds uh you know the guy i told you about earlier who had the star wars his second pin was pirates right and that just that game blew my mind like i i still don't understand what the hell to do in that game because it's like there's so much crap going on in it you know and that's and that's honestly what drove me to buy simpsons pinball party was the theme and keith johnson rule set like that's that's what sold me on all of that so you know the fact that there's still a big secondary market for that game tells me that, you know, they really, and, and the fact that the license is closing at some point, you got to imagine that they should, you know, strike while the iron's hot and, you know, get that damn thing out the door, sell it and then tell people to STFU and like, that's it. Yeah. Limited run, get it over with. Done. Do you think it would move 500 units right now at a, at a, at 11,000? I mean, right now in, like COVID land? Throw COVID away? Yeah. Absolutely. You'd move 500 of those. Easily. If, if you could easily, sell, if you could easily. sell 750 Rick and Mortys in four oh, hours, easily. you could move 500 yeah. pirates. Let's just say, let's just say 11 grand. Say 250. Dude, 
pinball people are nuts. They're crazy. They'll, if they have something, they'll buy it. They'll buy it. And 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 there's I think there's enough people. If people are out there selling Lebowski's at sixteen or whatever the hell they're sending out, I saw Kid Chriso's got one for seventeen five or whatever. I mean, it's. It, but but if that if they make another hundred big Lebowski's, that demand's not going to be there, and the price is going to drop. I mean. I, oh no! Absolutely, the whole reason why pirates is at the level it's at, right, 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 is because of that. So, I mean, you bring it down to something reason, and when I'm, I'm talking the you know sort of base level model, right, which I understand is really the real LE because nobody ever buys those from JJP, but you know, the, right. set it at the normal price it was before and not like price gouge. Yeah, they could sell five hundred of those. What easy. was the what was the normal price initially? I don't remember. Ninety five. Okay. And, okay. and 85. And I tell you, this is a big mistake that I did. I had bought a new inbox LE and then I sold it and never opened it. Oh, oh wow. We, we, have one on, we have one on location here. And uh, I don't, I don't know. Like it just never has grabbed me. Um, I, I mean, I, I played it like for hours, and it just never. And another thing too, like I just don't think the modes are really that engaging. Mm-hmm. I, I get the code is deep. I love the different characters. I know a lot of people they took a lot of crap for that, but I, uh, I just um, that to me it's like here's a pirate scene. Here's the shots. And and then you're going to try to stack as many multi balls as possible and get to those multi ball wizard modes. I, I mean, may, maybe I'm missing like the whole thing. Yeah, no, I, I'm. I think I'm with you there, Brian. Uh, Brian, on that. I mean, I, um, it. I was just getting into pinball again. Uh, it was one of the first new inbox games that I, or newer games that I played um, when it was out. It had probably been out maybe six months, and it's a wide body game, right? If I'm not mistaken, it is. Yeah, yeah. And so I, my first impression of it, and it was one of the first games I had played in a long time was that it was slow. I just found it very, those wide body games are inherently slow. You know, that ball bounces and it's got a long way to travel before it hits something else I found. And I thought, Oh shit, I want to like this game because it's got the rocking ship. And it, that is a very cool. Oh yeah. The, the cannon shot is fantastic. It's, yeah. it's got some very cool elements in it. And, um, but for me, you know, because again, Johnny Depp's not more of a, you know, is not more pro- prominent in that game. And two, because it is a wide body game, I'm going to say uh, drain it as well. <laughs> You're all so against me. <laughs> I will say this. They, that's just my, you know, my personal feeling. I do think JJP will remake that game again. I, 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 it, they, they'd be crazy not to. And I guarantee they're going to, I put money that they will remake that game. Now, when they're going to do it, I don't know, but I guarantee they will remake. You heard it here first on TPS midweek. They're remaking pilots. <laughs> how, how much was Yellow Brick Road? Yeah. It was like 11, 11.5. It's not like they don't have the history of remaking their same games over and over. Yeah. That's, that's think, what you're going to get. You're going to get a, a, a Black Pearl edition. It's going to be 11-5. And there and you go. smiling. He knows I'm right. They're making that game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Unfortunately, I'm- I think the ship has sailed on that re- uh, reason. I hope yeah. it has because I've got my Ellie sitting here and that'll keep the price up and for me. You're right. But, you're right. But... Three wide-body games that I'll mention would be Wizard of Oz, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Twilight Zone. Unless you own the games, you never really get a good feel for what you can do with them and what they do. When I first played Pirates at a show, 
I had about five games on it and walked away because I had the same opinion as most people. Wide body, shots aren't fun, nothing much happening. Yes. And I went to a second show where I had about four hours backstage to set things up and it was there and I had the rules explained to me and I bought it off Jack at that time. Hence, I got a signed version of it. It's one of those games uh, where you can walk up to it and it's a bit like Batman. You can decide what game you want to play on it. So you can say, today I'm just going to go for green wizard mode and that's your entire game. And the next day it can be blue wizard mode. They all have movie names, of course. Uh, For a home game, you can do that. Of course, you can't do it in competition and you can't do it on location because you would churn through far too much money. So unless you spend the time playing it, you never really appreciate it and you've got to do it in a home environment, preferably yours because your friends will get mad at you for staying on the machine for hours doing it. But personal taste is so important. Some people don't like doing that. Some people like a game like Deadpool where you've got an objective you're heading towards each game and you go for that objective. Pirates is very a bit like Wizard of Oz. You can uh, go for each of the four quadrants or you can try to go for Melt the Witch or you can try to get somewhere over the rainbow. But there's such a huge variety of ways to play it and that's why people find them far too complicated. Mm-hmm. Well, but, that's why uh, I was mentioning with uh, Simpsons, you sort of meander, right? Correct. It, it, you, you may start off in a path, but then you may ultimately decide that, you know what? Given certain circumstances, I'm going to go this way. And the trouble with that, if you change your path, you'll never finish either. And that's the thing. <laughs> you've, true, got to, yeah. you've got to be focused on one path, on pirates in particular. You've got to say, I just want to stack my six multiples, which isn't that hard. But if you want to get to a wizard mode and finish it, you've got to concentrate on that one wizard mode the entire game until you get through to it. So it's not for everyone. I hope they do remake it so more people can appreciate it. But at that price, if they were to sell 500, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Most of the suffering, I think, came from the removal of the disc and the chest trunk where they downgraded the disc to single disc. And so people rebelled against the game and it didn't sell without anyone actually playing it. Um, Those who got in early and played it loved it. The others said, no, if they're going to strip back a game and still charge the same, we're boycotting it. And that's, I think, really hurt the sales at the time. We know when I bought my Pirates, it was my distributor. He had, I think, three or four of them. He's like, I really can't sell these. No one really wants them right now. And a month later, it was the hottest thing. But I had to wait, you know, three or four months to get mine. And then when I finally got it, we had our little girl was getting ready to be born and other things. And I just kind of had to sell it at the time just for money. And I wish I saved it, (laughs) would have sold it for a whole lot more money right now. And it could have enjoyed it. Love it. Big mistake. That's my one big mistake in pinball. So what's the what's the roll call on this one? Uh, Dr. John, you're saving it. Who else is saving? This is Ken. I'm saving too. Yeah, this is Chris. I'm definitely saving it. Three saves. I'm, I'm draining. This is Matt. Uh, this is Craig. I had said drain. I've changed my mind. I'm yes. saving it. Ah, <laughs> oh, Craig! To the right side. Brian, <laughs> I will drain it. I don't think Jersey Jack's going to make Pirates again. Oh, well, we lost. All right, guys. Hopefully they'll make it again for you guys. John right. John sold me. I'm now sold. I want a Pirates now. So I, hope, I hope they make it again. I just don't think they will. I, I hope they, yeah. they make it again, but I, I'd, I'd be surprised if, if there's actually as much demand as people think. I think they're waiting. The other thing, I, I did hear what Zach heard uh, a, a couple of months ago from the distributor up here where – they um, Jersey Jack had told them that if they could get a list of people together that were interested, I think they're waiting for a bit more of a groundswell to they till they really feel like 
there is some concrete demand versus, you know, hearsay or, you know, flighty people on pin side or not that people are flighty on pin side, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like, you know, the, 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 I think they're waiting for some concrete, real numbers, real numbers where people are willing to to pony up. Yeah, why buy a Jersey Jack Pirates when you can buy a thirty-five thousand dollar Cactus Jacks I saw on Pinside? That's right. a steal. Oh, yeah, it's very special. And oh. it is true the stuff you know the the technology and the industry is moving forward. And so compared to some of the other games coming, would it sell as well as a you know as a Toy Story Four or a, or Guns N' Roses or you know whatever they've got going? over there probably not so it is but it is going to be one i i do believe they will vault at some point now again it could be five years to i don't know but it's it's in their arsenal which they could bring back at any time and i and it would be a logical choice it seems like they've moved on i mean that's not an they've never made official comment but it just seems like they've moved on well the recent Kiefer interview sort of implied that you know they had to make a decision to you know keep going or cut bait and they cut bait so you know that, 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 and he's right. It was the right decision to make at the time, given the data they had. You know, unfortunately, it was a it was a deal where pe- it had to get out in the wild. Enough people had it to was, play it. Yeah. And, you know, Iron Maiden was everywhere at that point and had all the attention. And, you know, it's just it's one of those deals where it's just, you know, bad timing, unfortunate circumstances. Call it what you want. We don't realize, you know, maybe they're making decisions 18 months in advance. So... They had to just pick a spot and say we're doing it or not doing it, and then now it's too late, and you can look back and you know hindsight's twenty twenty and say, well, you know what, they should have made a few more, but I'm sure that they had a set date that they just had to had to make a yep move on logo yep. move on well yeah, yeah you got to order parts ahead of time and all that jazz yeah, so sure. yeah okay cool. so outside of outside of John is anybody bought a new inbox in the last couple of years oh. <laughs> Oh, well, I bought All a uh, Iron Maiden at it was a show used game. Um, so I don't know if that's still considered new in box, but uh, yeah. I gotcha. bought a new, a new in box dialed in LE. I got it with a trade in and uh, got a brand new dialed in LE. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, was there any reason some of you guys maybe didn't get Pirates when it when it was available? Uh, Brian, obviously you got one as well uh, and then, then sold it, but. Yeah, I'm not really, a, for the most part, a new-in-box guy. I uh, kind of worked my way up by buying used games, and so I, I really just don't see dropping that kind of coin on a new-in-box game. I just I can't do it. Yeah, what happened <laughs> with me is another reason, too, like I, I sold the Pirates because I could get almost three Stern Pros yeah. for right. the Pirates, yeah. and yeah. that's when I put them on location. I mean, I, I couldn't justify having all that much money tied up in one, in one pin i look i'm not dr john here so i, I can't i can't do that yeah and if you got yeah. the space for more games more is better than fewer like i'd rather have three good games than one awesome game just because you got to have a little bit of variety Variety. what else we got the dumbest pinball repair you've ever done what about that one <laughs> nobody wants to admit what they did Repairs. I've I've never had a pinball machine break on me. They they break. No, they, I never they, take no. the glass off. Has anyone else besides me just gently touched with their forearm the back of a old Williams DMD where those right angle metal prongs? <laughs> oh yeah, have you, I've, I've oh, done that. Do you remember that shining experience? It's a little tingle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it feels pretty good. A little tingle. <laughs> That's what she said. 
<laughs> yeah, that's 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 the only time I've ever had a, a, a near electric. I don't know how many volts it is, but it's a, an awful lot. But uh, it certainly travels up your arm into your chest when you when you lean your arm on that. But I think my dumbest I ever did, and it took me a long time to realise, was I took a play field out of a time warp. Remember the time warp with the uh, banana flippers? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Took the play field out to do some strip down and repair on the rotisserie. And then when I put it back in, each time I turned it on, the pop bumpers would fire and then lock on. And I thought, that's weird. And I checked everything and I did it again. And I could not, for the life of me, work out why. And uh, it took about three weeks before I looked and where you plug the playfield back in, there's two large square connectors which are exactly the same size and shape. One provides the lights and one provides the coil power. <laughs> so when I was turning it on, the lights were coming on, of course, all the coils would fire. Um, and trial, the lights all blew. And, and well, That's bad the lights all blew, of course, because they were getting 50 volts. <laughs> And then I realised how what a stupid design yeah. that you have two plugs exactly the same until you look a second time and you realise one of the plugs is white and one's black. So, Dr. John, <laughs> and, so I, and I'm assuming you do most of your own repairs. Like, does anybody yeah. out there call in a tech, you know, where they're like, I don't know, I don't even want to get in there, you know, because like when I look under the hood of these things, I think, fuck that, I'm not touching shit in here. It's really overwhelming <laughs> when I've showed some people the <laughs> underside of the playfield when I was at the brewery, and that's kind of one of my reasons. I know this is every anything could break, but that's kind of one of the reasons I have some stern pros over there on location. They seem to be a little less uh, mechanical and, and more reliable as, as far as, and I'll put a JJP Pirates on location right there. It's going to have so many more things to go bad. So, Try to keep things to a minimum. Yeah, I started doing voluntary repairs for a local arcade, and yeah, it, it, it's amazing how much better the stern machines hold up compared to others. It's, um, you know, I mean, you hear it time and again, but I, I mean, it, it's just, it's night and day. Um, now, a lot of it is the fact that they generally make them quite a bit simpler too, simpler. though, right? So yeah. if you go look at some of the old... Um, uh, late Sega, early Stern stuff, you know, that, you know, back from the, you know, X data East days, you know, there's, there's a lot of crap going on in there. Um, but you know, by and large, yeah, those machines are, are quite a bit simpler. I mean, what's interesting is you flip stranger things and you flip say Austin powers and seeing the difference under those play fields is, is pretty amazing. Yeah, I I love working on games. I mean, sometimes I'd rather work on games than play them, to be honest. Um, I'll buy broken EMs off of Craigslist and drag them home and tear them apart and figure out what's wrong with them, get them going. And, you know, obviously the Bally Williams games need their fair share of work, too. So I, I work on those as well. But, yeah, there's there's just not a lot of work to do on a new Stern. They, uh, for the most part, work fine. And if Cool stops. Yeah, I'm about to say exactly the same two words. Replace yeah. the coil stops. We're ignoring coil stops. Oh my gosh, what happened there, so, manufacturers? Yeah, so have they addressed yeah. that? Have they addressed that? They haven't really addressed that publicly, I guess. Or, no. or you know, no. From but you just got to take them straight out and put new <laughs> coil stops and new balls. New balls. Yeah, yeah that's that yeah. shouldn't yeah. happen, really. Balls should be. <laughs> I think get some balls, turn. Come on. They have a side deal with Marco and Pinball Life. Just like, shh, yeah. here you go, guys. Here's yeah. the ones that we don't reject, yes. Well, they can add that to I the list along with the, with the paper manual. Decent balls. Yes. 
No, I had a, but when my Deadpool arrived, it had like it was almost like another mirror ball in the game. The the pinball itself was faceted <laughs> all over the place. It had the, like dents in it. That's the, that's the LE. <laughs> yeah, it was LE, but anyway. But yeah, the wow. balls were terrible. Yeah. Anyway, Deadpool disco pinballs. Oh, I bought some real turds. A lot of System oh, yeah. 11s. Totally stripped them down. Just like uh, I bought an F14 out of a storage unit one time for like 400 bucks and uh, the board was covered in acid and I was mm. stubborn and, and didn't, I, I wasn't going to buy a board. So I, I, I fixed it. It, yeah, it took, it took a lot. It took a lot of time. That's awesome. My worst experience was a data East star Wars that a friend bought. That was a trash one. And uh, someone had done a lot of hacks on uh, board connections, but we, I, he wanted to do the cabinet and we saw some new decals and, uh, we took all the boards out, took the playfield out, stripped it down, took about four or 500 photos on his camera so he could do the cabinet, which he took three months to do. And then when we came back to put it all together and looked at the uh, SD card all the photos on, it was all family photos because his wife had uh, erased them all to use for the family camera. Um, so we had <laughs> well, hopefully it wasn't any, uh, some crazy photos no- on there. <laughs> oh. So that was fun putting that back together. But uh, we got there. That was my first Data East Rebuilder Power Supply, which did at one stage result in a lot of smoke and a small fire, but it came together in the end. Hey, isn't that what Deep Group's trying to do? Trying to have a you know smoke and the playfield, or <laughs> that's a highly classified, sir. We're we're not going to talk about it on this podcast, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no clues, no clues. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, I think that uh, that about wraps our first edition of the TPS Midweek Show Correspondence Edition. So we want to thank everyone for listening. But I will sign off here now. This is Craig Bobby for Stern Pinball. Catch you on the flip side. And John Cosson speaking shit for Spooky and Haggis. Hey, this is Brian Costner for American Pinball. This is Ken Rudberg with your Jersey Jack update. This is Chris Chandler reporting two things, Jack and shit. I'm Matt Morrison for Chicago Gaming Company. I'm here. Well, I'm trying to hear I'm, me, but I'm, I don't I'm know. Oh, yeah. Keep trying. yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, I got Back. you. I'm not Back. hearing anybody else. <laughs> it doesn't make any oh, sense. So who can you? Who can, can you, you not hear us? Hello. Testing. Yeah. I, I can hear. I can hear. Brian, I hear, can you I hear Dr. John. Do you yeah. hear me? Yeah, Ken, I hear you. I will. Okay, cool. Right. This is Chandler, you hear me? I hear you. <laughs> so he does hear you, <laughs> I think you hear everyone. <laughs> that our, um, that our, uh, jeez, why did it, his name all of a sudden just totally Ken Cromwell me. now yes. works for Jersey Jack Pinball. He, he used to work, be on this podcast. <laughs> Rest in peace, Ken, we forgot to See, more. yeah. <laughs> I've already forgotten his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you no, mean that's nothing, true. Ken. That's true. He nothing. used to be on this podcast, but. <laughs> All right. So first, first, drain it or save it. Well, hang on. Hang on. Before, before, first, before you start, right. don't you want to introduce it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do it. Come on, I, man. Give I, me we the did it. Didn't we get it? <laughs> drain it or save it. <laughs> drain it or save it. Drain like it or save it. We all have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Rain it or save it. <laughs> hey, Crazel, is that you? <laughs> Where's that?
Wait, Crystal, how'd you get off your gauntlet? Get over, get off this podcast. <laughs> I think I just heard your her cat is cat. Like, you not. Have you had that? I've had. I've had that. The first time that happened to me, I was at TPF. I got in an elevator and some guy got in, and he said, "Oh, you be Dr. John." And I said. Oh, yeah, you're Australian as well. He said, well, I live in Texas. I said, who are you? And he said, oh, my name's Bunyip. I work for Spooky. Went, holy shit, hold on. <laughs> you're not supposed to recognize me. But my favorite one was the first time I went to TPF as well. I snuck in before the show opened and Steve Ritchie was standing there. And I just walked up and, you know, hello, Mr. Ritchie. <laughs> and he said, oh, hello, where are you from, Australia? And he said, I'll come meet my brother, Mark. Let's go and have a beer. And all of a sudden, I'm trying to fanboy out, getting pissed with Mark and Steve Ritchie. Awesome. And the thing I find about all these people you meet in pinball, they are so nice. But yeah. all they want to do is drink. <laughs> Except for Zach. Except for Zach. First time I was at Zach was midnight at my hotel room, and everyone was hammered, but Zach was very sober, just making fun of everybody. <laughs> hey, I can tell you the two drunkest guys in pinball, the Poor Man's Pinball Podcast. <gasps> Yay, I was, playing, I was playing uh, Elvira up in the uh, game suite. I think it's the guy JJ Game Exchange or whatever up in the uh, suite up there at Expo. And it's, I don't know, it's just two or three o'clock in the morning, and it's like 20 people up there. And uh, Drew and them just taking his shirt off. He's like, Woo! <laughs> I'm like, all right, man, this is so much fun. You know, you all know about the famous vomiting in the urinal incident, don't you? Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, heard about that, that one. Exactly. That was Zach yeah. that revealed that. <laughs> what a legendary effort! <laughs> I was uh, I was busting brute, uh, Drew's balls over uh, um, uh, messenger chat about the uh, screwball whiskey that he keeps yeah. going on about. Yeah, the I, peanut butter one. Yeah, yeah. I went, uh. I went to the liquor store. Right, I'm all masked up and you know trying to not COVID myself, and I see it and I'm like, all right, goddamn it, I'm buying it. You know, so I, I bought it. <laughs> oh, it is the worst stuff. <laughs> Ever. It is what? horrible. How could that be? Mm. Oh, it is terrible. So, so I told him, I said, next year, uh, next year's TPF, Drew owes me 28 bucks. That shit is terrible. And then a little vomit thing, <laughs> yeah. you know. And eventually, the conversation went back and forth, and like there was uh, like a, you know, a gift from uh, Brokeback Mountain involved. And yeah, so it, 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 it went in the normal directions that you would expect uh, yep. a, a poor yeah. man's conversation to go. <laughs> This will be all the crap that Zach will put in at the end, so. <clears throat> <laughs> Say what?